0: Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast.
1: Welcome guys to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host Sean Moore and I'm really excited about today's episode. We've got a guest with us that I'm really excited to dive into her process and her journey into investing in short-term vacation rentals. Very interesting story and I can't wait to share it with you. Today I'm joined by Leslie Ann Morris and she resides in, in kind of more in the Smoky Mountain area. She kind of splits time between Nashville and the Smokies. And uh, really got um, got into the short-term vacation rental game. But one of the really exciting things I'm excited to talk to her about is she's really focused on inspiring women to get into the vacation rental investing and just real estate investing in general. And one of her kind of passions is inspiring and empowering a thousand women millionaires throughout her career here as she starts to dive into this game. So Leslie, welcome to the vacation rental Revolution podcast, and I'm excited for you to share your story with us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Sean.
1: Absolutely. And so we were we were talking before I hit record that we, you know, we both love real estate so much, and real estate's um, such a key um, vehicle for so many people building wealth. And for some reason, we can't figure it out, but for some reason, there's a very under um, underrepresented demographic, and that is women investors. And so, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And uh, if we could, would you mind? Could we kind of go back to the beginning of? Really, how you got into this game and what like inspired you to get into real estate investing?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, it's kind of uh, cut and dry, but exciting, I think. Um, yeah. I was a commercial banking uh, senior vice president for about 20 years. So I did a lot of commercial real estate underwriting, uh, worked with some high net worth individuals that owned commercial real estate and commercial businesses. And, you know, as I was coming up through the ranks in banking, I had a lot of clients that would mentor and coach me like one day you need to start investing in real estate because, you know, this is how you can really change your life. And so in the back of my mind, I always knew like that, that was where I was headed. So um, about three years, it's almost exactly three years ago. um, Well, I had been investing a little bit just in like live in flips, basically. So I'd buy a house and then flip it and upgrade to the next And I did that for several years. And then when I was living in Los Angeles, living and working there, I was looking at, I think it was like the 10 K report, which talked about the CEO of the bank's salary. And I want to say his all in number was like $16 million. And here I am, you know, been in banking already 20 years at that time. And I'm like, well, how the heck do I go from where I'm at now to where he is at? And that was kind of like, what. shook, you know, something that shook my my rattled my cage, I guess, and got me, got me going. And at that same time um, that I started looking into real estate, I actually had started a master's degree. And so it just kind of unlocked my brain and got me started. And I just was Googling things like how to buy a property cash and came across a few different opportunities and some like deals fell apart overnight. And then lo and behold, I found a list that Airbnb puts out every year that was like the top five markets. And three of those markets were all in Eastern Tennessee. And so I yeah. said, well, there's there's something here. I need to look into this. And so I basically like robbed my retirement and bought my first two cabins in the Smoky Mountains while I was living and working in LA. And then like the rest is history. And I just was able to use the cash flow from those first couple of cabins to just quickly scale the portfolio that I have today. And uh, today I have 10 um, all in the Smokies and I have one I'm closing on in December and I actually am just getting ready to break ground on a build there as well.
1: Awesome. Well, congrats. That's, that's exciting. So can I unpack that a little bit? Um, You said a few things that that was, uh, that caught my attention. One, you came from the banking industry and then you were Googling how to buy, buy properties with cash. And so I thought, (laughs) I thought that was, was, yeah, right. Um, But, but what, so when, from, from day one, when you bought that first property, was the goal ever to, to was, you know, when you went into it saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've been interested in real estate. I'm trying to figure this out. But when I bought that, when you bought that first one in the Smokies and those first two, was the goal to quit the job and do this full-time? Or was you saying, hey, I I oh. really just want to start adding to the portfolio. And then all of a sudden it started taking off and you saw the potential there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason I was Googling how to buy a property cash was I was trying to find a place. I wasn't actually trying to buy a property cash but I was trying to find a place where the real estate values were low enough that somebody could Yeah. Um, because I was living in LA. So I naturally was thinking Palm Springs, right? So I looked at the Palm Springs market first and, you know, I only had like, I think 50 or 60,000. And so that was really not a doable market for me. And then it was, you know, a little bit more regulated than I wanted to see. And that's why I passed on it. But, um, you know, it just, I guess is just, like a crazy thing that happened and that's kind of why I did it. But no, I never intended to quit my job. I actually, um, when I bought the first one, my thought process was like, this could fail and, but I'll have a really cool vacation cabin. I like have a true obsession affinity for cabins. I've traveled all over the world and stayed in a lot of countries and cabins. And so I thought if I could just like put it onto the OTAs, Airbnb or Verbo, or wherever, and it could make its own mortgage payment, then this is so cool. I have this amazing like lifestyle asset, right? Yeah. Um, so that was my thought process. I never thought that it, this would shift, you know, it changed my zip code, it changed my career. I actually just quit the banking job just this last September okay. and went full time into these companies I created that are all supported by the portfolio. So, so it so, just
1: so when did you buy the first two? What what when was that?
0: Um it was 2019. Right. Um, like August, September. I think I closed on the first one in September, and then the second one I closed on in November, um, because I had enough money at the time. You know, you could you could get them a lot cheaper than they yeah, are at the current you moment.
1: Good, yeah. Um,
0: so I was able to close on two very quickly.
1: And then, and then you right now you've got ten. You're getting eleventh and twelfth going. How yeah. so? You know, were you? where is was it? kind of just layering on a couple at a time throughout that those, those years? Or was it, okay, I'm going to buy a couple more? Or like, how, how did that look when you were layering on and building that portfolio?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bought, so I bought the first two in 2019. And then um I quickly decided to move um across the United States. So that happened like very quickly. Okay. So when I sold my house in LA, that gave me a little bit more cash, but I truly scaled it based off of the cap the cash flow in the portfolio itself. Yeah. Um, I've been averaging, I guess, over the three years, like this year I bought six properties and last year I bought five. And I've 1031 exchanged some. So there's been a lot more deals. I've just, you know, I, I guess in a nutshell, like I tested other markets um, besides besides the Smokies that I've since um, sold properties in those markets. So at one point I had Airbnbs in three states. Yeah. Um, I might go back to that but just right now I like I love the occupancy rate in the Smokies and I love just the look and feel of the tourist like the avatar that comes and stays with us it's it's I don't know it's just it's a lot better than like, for example, I had bought in Panama City Beach, and that's like a no that's a party area like I just they destroyed stuff real quick so that's why I, you know, I've done tests already in those three years.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's a good point, too. When somebody comes to us and is interested in investing in short-term rentals, they always ask us where the best markets are. And there's so many good markets across the country. Like, I truly believe that there's a lot of really good markets. And it really comes down to what somebody's property goals are and who they are. Like, I always tell people, you should be part of your target audience, right? When you And yes. so if you do like those party properties and that you you may love the the Panama City Beach type properties because you're going to set it up that way right and so I, I it's one of the reasons I tell people we could follow the same investing process in the analytics and running the numbers all the same but our portfolios could look completely different based on our own personalities and our own property goals right and so it's interesting that you bring that up because there are some of our like some of our members that we work with in, in our mentorship program that own in Panama City Beach and they love it. And there's others that own in the Smokies and they love it. And there's some people that own in, you know, these little towns in Nebraska that nobody's ever heard of. And they do really well and they love it because there's a little college town there that they like. So it really it really comes down to what you really like and you're going to have a lot more fun with. We, you know, like they, they do become true lifestyle assets, but also you're really able to maximize them. And I I wonder if you agree with this. I always tell people you're able to maximize that property on the back end because you can speak directly to the target audience because you are a part of that target audience.
0: Exactly. Yes. No, you hit the nail on the head. And I feel like I, like because I was having so much success early on in that market, I thought, well, shoot, I can do this anywhere, you know? And that's just not always the case. And I've scaled it in my, I've always had in my mind that I'm going to scale what I'm doing. So I do have a team and I ha- I've had a team from the beginning that's helping me do all this. It hasn't been a solo mission whatsoever. Um, so to buy in other markets was spreading them a little thin. You know, we had additional vendors. We we yeah. had to, um, you know, micromanaging from afar where we're actually in Tennessee, it's a little easier. It doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, it just for me at, the, at this time, it's like I just decided to just go super hard in the niche where I'm having so much success. But I do have... Being the entrepreneur that I am, I have some other like direct uh, domains parked um, in other areas where I am interested in in building like the same, you know, it's called Josh's Cabins where I have it in the Smokies. I am going to do something similar in another market at at some point in the future, just not right at the moment.
1: Yeah. And now is it because uh, there are economies of scale when you are setting up these portfolios, especially on the management side, right? And and building those, those dream team members. And if you are going to manage a property yourself, there's going to be a lot of things when it, it's going to be a lot easier having six properties in one market versus one property in six different markets, right? And so um, and, and that's one thing that I always tell people to be aware of, depending on what your property goals are and how you want to spread out. Typically, like I own properties, single properties in a whole bunch of different markets. And so I go find the best management partners I can because I don't have the economies of scale to have one team that does all these different markets, right? It doesn't make any sense to build a team for one property, a management team for one property, right? And so yes. um, is that is that some of the challenges or, or some of the things that you found that, okay, that's why I want to stay in one market versus going out. And then I'm going to build a little portfolio here and then go build the next market. Is that, is that where yes. you found out?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, I had basically planned to do the same thing in Tennessee and two other markets. And I think, you know, we saw our first back to school, In the last, what, two or three years. So then travel slowed down. And then I was like, ah, you know, I feel like I'm spread kind of thin. And I just think that's the nature of like good business that folks like you and I do is learning when to pivot. I mean, like, I do a lot of coaching right now on passive investing and how, when and how to pivot. And so I could see that for myself. And these properties that I had, you know, the one in Panama City Beach was doing phenomenally well. Yep. It just, it was the only one thing there and prices were starting to uptick. So I didn't really feel like scaling it. And so it was just like a point where I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to 1031 out of that and just buy a, you know, a cabin or two more. And so that's kind of what I did. I did have another, um, long-term rental. It was a house that I'd actually been living in and then got a tenant in. And I, uh, sold that one this last year too. And bought another cabin. So, you know, it's just trial and error and learning market. And I think, you know, to your point, I see a lot of people that um, successfully do own in multiple locations, but they, they utilize really um, motivated and driven and uh, like high functioning property management companies or property managers that spend thousands of dollars a month on marketing that know the market really well. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, taking a call at 2am because a water alarm is going off.
1: Yeah. Or, happened, or they, the or way. they can't turn the fan on and they like to sleep with the fan. Right. They're, a lot I of times like long-term how? rentals, we always think it's fixing the toilet or it's this or that. Or the other short-term rentals, you get calls about the remote not working, or I can't turn the fan on or things like that. It's not, emer- a lot of them aren't even emergencies. It's like, okay, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, I can't figure out how to use the systems in the house. Cause I'm not used to being here. Right.
0: Exactly. Or where is the remote?
1: Where is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So awesome. So I'm really curious on where and when you you really got that inspiration. Was it somebody along your path and your way um, to really... Were you really, you know, where you're, you want to empower other women to get into real estate investing. I'm curious about that kind of the backstory of that. Like what, what got you interested in that? Or was there somebody that inspired you and then you wanted to kind of pay it forward? Or was it something that you're like, Hey, this is somebody, somebody was inspired by you maybe. And they started asking you about it.
0: Yeah. All those things. Honestly. I mean, I think from the time when I was a little girl, I like to do public speaking and I like to mentor and coach and I like to inc- be inclusive of others and say, hey, you can do this too. And even in banking, I was always, you know, I always would have someone a uh, rung or two below me where I'm like, here's how I got here. Here's how you can do it. And just sharing all the knowledge. I mean, even down to your like salary number, just to help promote, you know, other employees, particularly, particularly women, um, But just recently, I'm in a mastermind group called Strive. It's a part of the real estate Invest Her, Invest H-E-R movement. Uh, They're a part of Bigger Pockets. Uh, Liz and Andressa, great women. Um, So I've been a member of that for about a year. And I just recently went um, to their first um, inaugural Invest Her Con, their conference in June. It was in Charlotte. They're going to be doing another one next year in Scottsdale. But when I went there, one of the speakers gave a statistic that was like shocking to me. And some people later were like, well, why were you shocked? That's just the case with women. And I'm like, this is just BS. Like 31% of all investors are women. I'm like, that's there's such a disparity there. So then I kind of like, okay, this is my soapbox because I already like to mentor. I already like to coach. And I already like to talk about what I do because I'm so passionate about it. So how can I, what's a good, what's like a lofty goal but then it might actually be attainable. So I'm like, anytime there's an opportunity to speak about something or, or help empower someone, like I put my hand up for that. And my goal, Sean, is really like in all the companies I have that are all supported by my portfolio is to be really passive in those so that I can use my time to do this other, you know, this big, like creating a billion dollars in net worth by helping a thousand women become millionaires. Like it's crazy, but I think I'll do it.
1: I think you will, too. I love it, too. And it's uh, it's something that is the um, you know, one of our one of my longest um, tenured employees that's been working with me here at Odyssey and helping other people and inspire people to get into this game. She's a single woman and she's been building her own portfolio and she's been and and she's really passionate about this as well and, and really inspiring women. And it's really interesting that um, when I got the chance to have you on the show as well to talk about this, because it's like I'm not a woman investor right but I get asked about this all the time hey can will you put on a summit for you know women investors and like I get asked to do that all the time and I'm like well I'm, I'm happy to do it and I love to support it but I'm it, but uh, it, the fact that people are asking me to do it means that there's there's women out there that, that feel like, hey, listen, I would like to feel like I've got the support that I need, which is I heard that same st- statistic. I think you shared it with me before um we we as we were scheduling this this uh podcast was you know, 31% of the investors out there are, are women. That's crazy. That's it seems really low for such a mainstream asset. And that's that's in that's in real estate in general, not just short term rentals. That's real estate investors mm-hmm. in general, right? And so that's um the real estate is such a key asset for wealth building and the fact that 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 demographic or that that representation is so low in that with women as a demographic group is is kind of crazy to me too i was i was a little shocked to hear that as well
0: yeah Yeah, there's a a book. It's called "The Only Woman in the Room," and this came out of kind of this mastermind I'm in. A lot of women went in and penned it together. But it's talking about how every time they were in a conference or a real estate meetup or you know, I don't know whatever kind of circle you find yourself in that has to do with investing, they were the only woman in the room, and you know, I, I. I'm just getting into the, you know, getting really serious about this just in the last three years. And that's shocking to me. And I'm always the one that's like, I'm the one that's going to speak up. I'm the one that's like, Hey, we're here too. So like, I'm happy to just be the voice for that and like champion it because yeah, I think you said like, what's there's a statistic on like 90% of all millionaires are created out of real estate. Yeah, or There's some statistic like that. Yep. So then that just goes to show our disparity in the time of me too. And all the things, you know, women's movement uh, that's a problem. That's a big problem that we really need to just be creating more awareness around it so that women don't feel like they can't ask the questions because if they don't ask the questions, they're not going to learn how to get started.
1: So. Right. And, and I think that, too, it's it's just being inspired by other women. Right. And seeing just like, just like we all like to see, you know, we relate to somebody doing something that we're afraid to do or that we don't think we can do. If we have somebody that we can look up to and be inspired by, that's sometimes all we need. Right. And like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, she can do it. So can I. Right. And so and, and I think that's that's more. Being front and center, just saying, hey, this is—it's not. I mean, it's for everybody, right? Any, anybody can do it, and it's such a great vehicle that you—you you know, there's no, there's nothing that should hold you back in real estate. Period. I love real estate in general. Like, I—I I, I think that it's yeah. a phenomenal vehicle for the average person to build wealth. It's—it's. It's, I think it's by far and away the best vehicle. I particularly love short term rentals like you do and uh you know and diving in and the possibilities and be able to like accelerate our cash flow and accelerate building our portfolio like you mentioned before being able to buy a property and really take the cash flow from those properties and in in three short years four short years being able to build a 10 10 property portfolio from the cash flow from two in the beginning right that's huge you don't do that with other vehicles as often and other real estate vehicles. And that's why we love short-term rentals. And so, um, when when we're able to do that, it can really accelerate the progress of financial freedom, lifestyle freedom, right? And that that holy grail of passive income, which is by far and away the the gold, the you know, the golden nugget of actual income. It's better, way better than the earned income and everything else. And once you're financially free, which doesn't take as long as many people think, I always tell them people always think, oh, I need to have. X millions in the bank or whatever else. No, you just have to have your bills paid. And and once you have passive income that exceeds what your bills are and what your living expenses are, you're financially free. Now you have options. Doesn't mean you're going to quit your job right away. Maybe use that job, maybe use that earned income to create more passive income. But so when we dive back into this game, as you started to say, okay, I, you know, I'm, I've got all these plans. What is like? What what's the next steps for you as you start to build this and expand it? Like, where where do you see this going for yourself?
0: Yeah. Well, so I just so I quit my bank job in September, and my main goal with that was I didn't want to live off of the portfolio income because I want to continue to have the portfolio grow itself. Whether that be like a maintenance capex project, you know, some of them are you know early two thousands build. so they're starting to need a little bit of like flooring or whatever. Um, So really intending to have that portfolio grow itself. And while that's happening, I'm building, so I have my full service property management company. And then I also just um, in the last year created a property acquisition company where I'm, I'm working as an agent, but my goal is to get myself out of all that. So that's passively working. And then what I really want to spend my time doing is things like this, creating awareness around how to build a passive investment stream, why you want to do it, what credit underwriting looks like, and just kind of get on my soapbox. And, and if I don't get paid to do some of these things, fine. Like I just enjoy doing it. I'm, I'm also writing a book on passive investing and short-term rentals. So I'm really focused on that. Um, and then I have a few other projects coming up next year that are really exciting and they take a lot of time and they don't pay that much because yeah. they're like, speak you know so it's like that's kind of where I'm headed but throughout the journey I am planning to continue to scale my own portfolio um I have a another investing style that I do which is you know in people's syndications I invest in those passively that's where the rest of my retirement went yeah. but um it's just fun like I love short term rentals I don't really see myself you know going into other asset classes that could change But I think right now, just growing, continuing to grow what I have, continuing to scale it and continuing to create jobs through the two companies I've formed and then speaking on behalf of women.
1: Awesome. Love it. And I I wonder if you agree with this. People ask me all the time. Hey, why don't, why do you, why are you still working? Why aren't you just living off the income from your, your properties and everything else? So, I mean, I've been doing this for 22 years. So we have a portfolio built that we, we've been financially free for a long time. We could just live off of our portfolio and people are always like, why don't you then? Right. And I always tell people to invest in an asset class that you love and enjoy because you, It's nice to have the option to quit if you ever wanted to, but I love doing it, right? We love doing it and and we love seeing the portfolio grow. We love seeing the portfolio upgrade. I don't typically have, I usually try to keep my portfolio somewhere around that 10 property mark. Then we will will upgrade our portfolio on a regular basis. We might maximize an asset in a market that we're saying, okay, we're pretty maxed out on what we can do with this property. So now we're going to upgrade it into another property that has a lot bigger upside. And so we'll continue to step up that way. And so we'll have a a fairly small portfolio, but it's a really high producing portfolio at this stage, right? It's like when you're a first-time home buyer, you buy your first home. Well, a lot of times, by the time you buy your... Sixth or seventh home at the end of the day, it's your dream home, and your mortgage payment is basically the same as it was on the first home because you just keep upgrading and rolling in the equity and things like that. We do the same with our portfolio, and all of a sudden, this is a really high-producing portfolio. So I, I and I love short-term loans for that reason too. But I'm curious if you, you know, we we hear that I always ask people kind of what that next step is because it's interesting to hear you say you're letting your portfolio just continue to grow itself, not live off that income. You could, if you wanted to. And a lot of times I think people think in the very beginning, when I talk to people, it's like, it's a race to be able to quit my job, or it's a race to get, to, to be able to live off of my, the, the, my income from my portfolio. Very few people actually do that when they pick an asset class that they want, because they just continue to play the game, right? They continue to, they continue to re-up and continue to parlay that money. And it's, once you start doing that, it gets really fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've just, I'm thinking about, so I guess it would have been 21 was the year where I bought five and I just got addicted to it. I was just, uh-huh. I have the money. Why not? You know, that was like the, that was the heyday, right? The COVID heyday. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I like your strategy too, because I am doing, I am doing that. Right. Cause I sold two this, I did two 1031 exchanges this year. Um, So they were like the Panama City Beach condo and then a long-term rental in Tennessee. Those both are now cabins. So do I buy five brand new cabins next year or, you know, what's a good strategy? There's probably two that I will um, sell and exchange. And they were like tests that I did. They're actually houses in Pigeon Forge. They're in a great spot. They're right on the trolley stop, really close to Parkway. They perform fine. They just aren't cabins, and my brand is built on cabins. Yeah. So I think I'll see those go, uh, maybe in Q1 or Q2. And then I've got the construction, which should be done by Q3. So then, am I really going to buy five or six next year? Who knows? I mean, right. it's all going to determine on you know, you know how how passionate I feel about something. I do make emotionally based. Investing decisions still. Um, And then what do the numbers look like, right? If I have this cash, how much cash can I make and where are interest rates going to be? So it is kind of just, you learn, you sit back and you just be ready to pull the trigger when, you know, that's the directive that you're headed on. So right. When the opportunity
1: comes up, right? You want to make sure that you're always prepared to take advantage of the opportunity. Is there going to be opportunities on five cabins or two or three or whatever it is? You don't know yet, right? But you're prepared to go when it when that opportunity arises.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so as as we're so you're getting, you know, getting into the, you know, helping people get into this game on the on the agent side. I always like to ask people when when you started this, you know, I guess it's close to uh, almost four years ago, three, three and a half, four years ago now. Right. And uh, Mm -hmm. if you could go back to yourself back then and tell you, okay, you know, Leslie Ann, what what would what would you tell that version of yourself that uh, that you might not have known then that, you know, now?
0: Well, if we could go back like 15 or 16 or 17 years, yeah, don't travel to 45 countries. Take all that money and buy real estate. (laughs)
1: There you go.
0: It was like a path. I had to do it, and I think it made me passionate about hospitality in general. Um, It made me very discerning on what guests are looking for. So maybe if I never would have did any any of that, I wouldn't have given a crap about short term rentals. That that's definitely. But I do think about if. I had all that, you know, I spent so much money on like luxury. I did like a African safari. I've been to the Maldives. The oh, yeah. That's like a, every
1: trip is a down payment, right? Now you look at like, yes.
0: <laughs> it's not quite, but almost. Close.
1: Yeah. So that's... I do
0: think about that, but just, just, I think I made like just in the last few years, made very good decisions and made a plan and executed it. I mean, I think that's one of the like um one of my major skill sets that makes me successful is that I take action. I don't analysis paralysis all over the place. I make calculated risks, but I am a risk taker and an action taker. So that is really what's propelled me forward. So
1: I love that. and i and i, I and I just would I hope everybody caught that one the resounding answer we get on the show, especially when we're talking about real estate investing, is everybody wishes that we could go back and start sooner, right? We're like, I wish I would have started buying properties that created passive income sooner than i did people always ask us especially like this is a great example the markets are kind of getting going up and down turbulent we got a little shifting going on and people are saying well should i wait and i always tell people the best time to buy was yesterday the next best time yep. is today right there's always opportunities understand the market you're getting into before you buy there's no question about that you have to make sure your pencils are sharpened and you understand the underwriting but the 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 best thing you have going for you with wh- when you buy real estate is time. You've got to get that t- that clock started so that asset starts to mature. And then, you know, you said something which I a little bit disagree with and as you say you're a risk taker, but you, and you take action because you do take action. I feel like people that don't take action are taking the biggest risks. And like, sure. you're you're 100% right. The people who go out and make this happen, they're going to the um, Ed Milet talks about this, and he articulates it way better than I do. But he says, you know, what he finds with successful people is the amount of information that a really successful person needs to move forward and take action always seems to be a lot less than that person that sits on the sideline and never takes action. Right? That's that analysis by paralysis. They never do anything, and to me, that's way more risky. It's like, listen, take a get some information, do some due diligence but then go out and take action and massive action is what's going to get things done. And I mean, look what you've been able to do when you finally bought those first two properties. I mean, you, you lit that fire and then all of a sudden the gas, you you know, you don't know where the gas is going to come from sometimes, but because you're taking action, that gas starts to put on the fire and it starts to go out of control and, and you start to really build a lot faster than you may have even thought you were going to, three years ago when you bought those first two. And and I think it's because you took that action. And, I, and I, I'm i glad that you brought those two points up because it's those are such key things for people to understand when they're thinking about. And, and as you say, it's important to you to spread this message. And some of those people that are sitting on the sideline, it doesn't Did you have all the answers when you bought the first two properties? No, you didn't. We never do, right? We want to. We want to get enough answers or questions answered. We want to check some boxes off. Find some great mentors. You're out there. We're out there. There's a lot of people out there that are willing to mentor you and help you. You know, you get. We get asked this all the time. Like, well, why do you help people, right? You you mentioned you've had a passion passion for helping and coaching since you were little, right? I was the exact opposite. I never thought I'd be a coach. I never thought I would ever do it. I just wanted to go do it. I wanted to go invest in my properties, do my thing. But so many people started to ask us how, and I started just helping them. And and I didn't, once you started to see people have success from that help, I, that for me is what like lit the fire. Like, man, this is really fun. It's really fun to be able to share some knowledge. You know, I didn't, I didn't go out and come out of the gate starting like that, but it's there's my point is there's people out there that can help you if you are listening to this and you're like, man, I just don't know where to start. There's plenty of places to start. So if they're listening to this, Leslie Ann, and they say, I want to know, learn more about Leslie Ann Morris. <laughs> where do I go for Where Good. do I, where, where where do we go? Where do we point people?
0: Yeah, I'm really active on Instagram. So it's at Leslie dot and with an E dot Morris. So Leslie dot and dot Morris. And then my personal website is Leslie Ann Morris dot com. And that website kind of leads to all everything I'm doing. It's got, I'm really active on bigger pockets. So I'm doing blog blog writing for them. And it's got links to my other websites, you know, the property acquisition, the agency that where you can we can help you buy a cabin. And then also the property management where, oh, by the way, we can help you manage your cabin as well.
1: Awesome. Love it. Yeah. So, so we can go to, and we'll post these in the show notes on both the the podcast and on the YouTube. For those of you listening or watching on YouTube, we'll make sure that you can, you can scroll down and find links to leslie's website instagram page follow what she's doing pay attention it sounds like the uh the speaking engagements are going to increase over the next year and so find out where you're where you're going to be at so we can we can follow you there so um leslie i really appreciate you joining us and spending your time and uh sharing that story with us really interesting and really wish you the best of luck as you continue to just knock it out of the park and I'm, I'm, i'm excited to watch you and see what you're growing as well and um, when we start coming into those markets that you've got those management companies set up, I'll be a I'll, I'll be a customer because I uh, that's one thing I don't like doing is managing the properties. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but the, awesome. uh, thanks, thank you for joining us, and and we really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate absolutely.
1: it. Absolutely, absolutely. And and those of you listening, we always appreciate you spending your time with us. We know how valuable that is, and the the fact that you spend it with us, we very much appreciate that. And and if you got any value out of this show. The only thing I ever ask is that you like it, uh, like the show, share it with anybody that you think might get value out of it as well. Leave us a review. It takes about five or six minutes and leave us a nice review. If you have any comments for us, those things really do help us continue to grow and continue to spread this message. And then the last thing I always like to leave you guys with is go pick one thing that you can do today to start building that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit vodicy.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.